Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome one, welcome all to the greatest show of them all, the NFC East Mixtape. You can listen to this show wherever you get your NFC East blog, podcasts, networks, whatever. You can also watch it on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel or the blog of the boys YouTube channel, where if you do, you will see the bright, shining, beautiful faces of myself. I'm RJ Ochoa from BTB. He is Brandon Lee Gotten from BGN. BLG, happy Tuesday, June 6th for us. Happy Wednesday, June 7th for the listener. Happy whatever day you want it to be in your heart. RJ, my microphone broke. So as the listeners can, or the watchers, I, I should say, can see that um, it broke listeners off the stand. Can hear it. Listeners can hear it, I'm sure. Sorry for that. Uh, I feel like this is just who I am now. You know some podcasters who do that? Like I've seen some who do that, where they just hold, they're like, hold the microphone, guys. Kiss used to do that. Michael Kissed, um, which I thought was insane. It was funny. The first time I ever hopped on with him and Solak, they were doing... Uh, the Houston Solak show. This is like pre-BGN. They were doing it for Locked On or whoever. And it was so funny to me because, you know, like you get a link to go on a podcast and you click, you open it. And like Kissed is in like this dark room holding this microphone. And I was like, what's going on here? Like, what is what is happening right now? So uh, I'm not well, in a dark room, but I am a hold the microphone guy now for the time being. You're least. holding it, though, by the like the the stand still you, you you're missing the base of the stand so you're still hold, using part of the the stand it's just you don't have the the round circular like plant base yeah um, and i have like a pillow on my lap here too to kind of like help stabilize it um uh, that's good um i have never seen kiss do that um but i remember when i went to um to the super bowl in miami that the chiefs won uh, the first one that they won because the second one they won was when they beat the eagles remember um and so um when, <laughs> when i was there and we had a table set up oh, for, uh, for for I, I thought it was funny uh we had a table set up for sb nation and we were doing interviews and remember i sent you actually a photo of uh jay ajay's super bowl ring uh because we interviewed him there um and there were some people because we had set up microphones like like the one you have because it's it was work issued uh just a little peek behind the glass um i just went the extra mile and got an arm for mine again different whatever uh anyway uh, there were a lot of people who would grab it like you're saying like but they would t- they would grab it with the base which i thought was mm. very strange and it was it was a relaxed yeah, environment heavy. but i have seen people do that uh yeah i know why would you do that like why would you want to lean back I, I feel like you sound different when you're leaning back i don't want to do that yeah i think <clears throat> in theory you should really be standing up like when you're doing I mean, obviously we don't do that but i think like the best like quality or like whatever speech pattern is mm-hmm. when you are standing i've seen like i've seen radio hosts who do that um but i don't know who knows mm. um i don't know what volume of the mixtape this is but i do know that we have a brand new nfc east mixtape playlist which we talked about last week we gave birth to um last week and so what we're going to do is every week 
Uh, we're going to add a song, each of us, you, myself, and Rachel. Rachel has submitted her song to you and I already. Um, do you want to do that at the beginning of the show, at the end of the show? This is new. No, you got to you know, save it for the end us. so people have something okay. to, uh, you know, really look forward to. And by the way, it's number 115. Um, the volume. Okay, thank you. Volume yes. 115. Um, it'll take us a little bit to get to 115 songs on the, the playlist. We're at to three at the end of this episode. We'll be up to six. Um, it is accessible. I don't subscribe to people's playlists on Apple Music. Do you do that? Um, if so, can you tell no. people how to? I did tweet the link. Um, I thought you were a Spotify person. I, I called you out for that on Monday Football Monday, and you let me know that I was wrong. Um, but it is technically a publicly accessible playlist. If you want to add it to your Apple Music library, you can do that. You can ask us for the link, and we'll give it to you. But yeah, uh, we're going to add a song to it every week. I don't know why we never thought of this before through the first 113 volumes. It only took us this long, like two plus years. I think we can probably just add a link in the description here in the uh, podcast episode. Oh, good idea. Uh, you know, description okay. there. I'm sure Rachel can throw that in and people can click on it there. Uh, we will try to figure out a Spotify situation. I know, I feel like more people use that, at least anecdotally. I don't have the data on that, but I feel like everyone I know listens to Spotify. <clears throat> and I was surprised when you sent the Apple Music version because people are usually like, what? Apple Music? Why do you use that? And I'm like, I don't know, because I use like Apple for literally everything else. And I feel like so do other people, at least a lot. It's like one thing if you have an Android and you're using Spotify, like, okay, you're not an Apple person. But like you have the MacBook, you have the iPhone, you have the iPad, you have Apple TV, like, you have all this stuff. And then you use Spotify. Like, okay, what? why? Like, Where's that coming from? I agree. People say that Spotify's um, like suggested music algorithm or whatever is better that's why people like it i'm not a random music like listener Same. myself so like th that that f function really doesn't do much for me. reason yeah i've tried spotify i don't like how your podcasts and music are together i want them separate you know what i'm saying like i'm Agreed, i'm here yeah. to listen to music like i'm not here to listen to a podcast um right. i'm i'm not like an apple snob but i am you know like an apple organized person like all my stuff is that way uh, this isn't an ad, but I um, I have the like Apple One subscription, so I have Apple Music, Apple TV, Apple News, which I, I use a lot, um, and the like iCloud storage or whatever it is. Like that is a really handy function. So like to your point, like uh, why do I need like this one non-Apple thing? Never. Apple Watch. Are you gonna get the Apple Virtual Reality goggles? Oh uh, no, I don't want that. That's too much for me. I'm, you know, I, I know that there are a lot of people like all up in the tizzy about this. Like, I it, I, it really like I don't have a passionate thought on this. Do you? Are you like, do you feel passionately I didn't, about this? like didn't really see enough of like what it is, I guess. I don't know if I was looking super closely, but it seemed like the video that Apple put out that I saw was like really didn't really show much other than like how it looks like the actual physical design, but not the experience of it. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I mean. I think it's interesting that technology is at this level, but I really, again, the one thing that I think is kind of cool, did you see that now when you charge your phone, if you charge it sideways, that it, it will have like, it will basically turn your phone into like an alarm clock. Did you see this? No. So yeah, like if you have one of those, I don't, but if you have one of those like um, magnetic, like docking charge things, um, you can charge your phone sideways, like with the new update. And it basically like half your screen is like a clock and half your screen mm. is like your calendar and you can change that to be whatever you want. And I think that's cool. But I also like if I'm grabbing my phone while laying down, I'm not like, oh, going to look at it. I don't even use my phone horizontally that often. Like, you know what I mean? Like I w sometimes will turn it to watch a video. Yeah. I know we talked about that once, but like I don't type with, with my phone like that way. No. Like so that functions also not necessarily for me. 
Yeah. Okay. Wow. And that concludes Apple Talk here on the NFC East Mixtape. Uh, this is our bearish episode. Last week was our bullish one. We gave reasons why we were bullish on every team in the NFC East. Oh, and oh, oh. today... Uh, Bear is here. Um, he is asleep. The mail has passed. The trash has passed. So he will hopefully be a good boy. He's fed also. So this will hopefully be a very good episode for him. He's now four years old as of Sunday. Uh, wow. So you know, kind of appropriate that this landed right after his birthday. Um, and so um, congratulations to him. But yeah, uh, we're going to go in order. That means we're going to start with the Philadelphia Eagles. I told you that mm -hmm. I didn't write a list out. It's all in my head. Wow. It's all a mental list. Working hard um, or hardly working. Well, well, I mean, the the first task is like trash the Eagles. Like that's basically what this is. So like, I really don't need notes for this. Um, if mm. you are, oh ready, wait, it sounds kind of like rent freeish that you just have all this stuff in your head. You didn't really have to think you like, about it. You just if you want to come up with your own thing that's rent free, that's fine. But like, you can't just like copy the joke. Like that's a really right, lazy so thing. That proves how I rent free the Cowboys are in your mind. I should. How did we do this last week? You went. So first, we're gonna go reasons that were bearish on each of on each team in the division so we're starting with the philadelphia eagles so this is why we're bearish on the eagles in general you can take it from the slant of your bearish with regards to them winning the super bowl winning the nfc east being good in general um you know the the, the canvas is blank uh but the the premise is trash them reasons you're yeah, but i meant like the order like who's gonna go first yeah it's just, it's the same order what do you what do you mean no i mean, I mean like for us like who wants to go first oh um I guess I'll go first. Um, okay. So, well, the first thing, um, stop us if you've heard this before. The NFC East has not had a repeat winner since 2004, yep. which we kind of snuck in as like a reason to be bullish on the other teams last year, last week. Um, yeah, literally every so, other team except the Eagles. Yeah. And like, you know, that means nothing, but it doesn't mean nothing. It's you not know nothing. I mean? <laughs> it's, it's definitely not it's nothing. A, it's a weird thing that, I mean, neither of us is taking super seriously, but it is a thing. Um, they also lost the Super Bowl and not that like they played in the Super Bowl is maybe the reason I'm bearish. Like it's very difficult to I, and I that used to be more true. I feel like that has kind of weakened a little bit as of late. Like you look at a year ago, the Bengals lost the Super Bowl and then made it all the way to the AFC championship game. And then the year before that, the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl and made it all the way to the AFC championship game. So you're talking about the last two teams who have lost the Super Bowl, made it all the way back to the conference championship game the year before. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Who was the last team? I guess the Niners that lost the Super Bowl um, really kind of cratered the following year. But a lot of that was due to the injuries that they suffered. They, I think they had the most games lost due to injury the year after they won the NFC in 2019. But for a long time, and I think you agree with this, there was like that thing, right? Like teams who lose the Super Bowl or whatever just didn't really perform well the following seasons. So you kind of have that going on. I also think, you know, they were really, 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 really good last year, the Eagles were. And so it's really difficult to imagine that happening again, like them being exemplary in every, you know, conceivable statistic. I mean, it's really difficult to imagine the run game being that efficient again, A.J. Brown being that dominant again, the offensive line continually being that dominant again. And I don't like to throw this out because it. I don't want to do this to anybody, but like they were relatively – um injury free in, in terms of significant things obviously the Jalen Hurts thing happened at the end but like on the whole you know those things come like the Niners that we just talked about and so like those things I think are stacked against them if you're looking for the things that are stacked against them I have the injury reason as my number one reason to be bearish about the Eagles they were the third healthiest team in the NFL last year mm. according to football outsiders adjusted games lost and all 22 starters were healthy for the Super Bowl. Like, it's, it'd be very crazy to just make it back to the Super Bowl at all 
but then to be in that same kind of situation where you're pretty healthy for it, it's just the numbers are not working in your favor. And I think the Eagles deserve some level of credit for being healthier than some other teams in terms of they've clearly gone lighter in OTAs. They're like one of the, I think they're the only team in the NFL that isn't doing mini camp. Uh, their training camp schedule is really light. Um, they've clearly found some kind of formula. I think that has helped them be like not the worst team when it comes to injuries, but you, I don't know how healthy like you can be, how much of that you can control on your own. Uh, so I think the injuries are the biggest reason. Uh, the other things I wrote down here, I have turnover. They have two new coordinators, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. They have a new starting right guard, a new starting uh, defensive tackle with Javon Hargrave, who was a, you know, a really key player leaving. You have two new starting linebackers and two new starting safeties this season. Um, so there's just a lot of turnover. And then uh, last two things I'll say, Jalen Hurts' regression. Um, he had huge jumps, or big jumps, I should say, in touchdown percentage, interception percentage, and then passer rating. Passer rating alone, he went from... 87.2 to 101.5 last year. It's a very big jump. Um, <clears throat> he could still be really good and not be quite that good. And the last thing I'll throw in here is the aging cornerbacks. I think that's something we've talked about before. Uh, Shil Kapati had a good set on this. I, I was trying to look it up, and I couldn't find it exactly because he said it on a podcast. I don't think it was in written content. But basically, it was something to the effect of, like, name the, the Pro Bowl cornerbacks from the past so many years who've been, like, over 30. And it's like Patrick Peterson. And like that's it. Like, it's just, it's not a, basically the point is cornerback is like a young man's game or a younger man's game. Right. Older cornerbacks are not guys who really thrive and hold up. Right. Um, and the Eagles have two of those in Darius Slay and James Bradbury. So uh, those are my biggest points. I think that's fair. And again, like, I, I think all of these are really objective. I mean, these all kind of speak to regression to the mean, which is a phrase we use a lot. Um, and it makes sense that that would come. And I mean, it just shows how, you know, one end of the spectrum, the 2022 Eagles were. And that's, I, I said it last year to you many times, like had the Eagles won the Super Bowl, it would have been the most like Madden Super Bowl run of all time. Like they absolutely dominated every single thing. And so it always made sense. Things were going to come back. The, the, the last, you know, sort of, and maybe they won't like, again, like, you know, and we'll get to the Cowboys in a minute, but like a big reason I was down on the Cowboys last year, and you know this, was all the takeaways they had in 2021. And, and we, we both said like that number will go down and it didn't, right? Like they, they were the, the one that that never happened, that that didn't happen to. And so the possibility certainly exists that you can be the one that you can mitigate it to a certain degree, but like regression will come in, in tiny ways like that and it will show up in, in one game or another. And, and that one game or those two games will be the difference between X and Y. And that's my final point is the one possession game which is the low-hanging fruit, I think, when you look at a team that's due for regression positively or negatively. And I know that's why everyone's going to come for the Vikings, obviously, this coming season. Um, but, you know, I mentioned those Niners in 2020, um, how they were the number one team in football outsiders adjusted games lost, uh, and the Cowboys were number two. That's why I was so bullish on the Cowboys in 2021, uh, was they were going to bounce back from that. And in 2019, I forget what it was. I think in 2019, the Cowboys were like 0-7 in one-possession games. Do you know how many one-possession games off the top of your head the Eagles played last year in the regular season? They had the Super Bowl, obviously, but just the regular season? No, I don't. It was eight. Do you know their record yeah. in those eight games? I don't know, like 7-1 and one or something? 
yeah, the one loss was the Cowboys game on, on Christmas Eve. And so, I mean, just for context so that we're on the same page or uh, the win at Detroit, I mean, I mean these are all wins. Yeah, there's some things to nitpick in there. Like the Commanders game, I would really – it was a one-score game until like the final play and they did a lateral sure, and sure. it wasn't. But like it was like effectively a one-score game. And then the sure. I wouldn't include Week 18 at all because that was just like a dumb – the Giants were playing. Well, then the, the Commanders game kind of neutralizes the Week 18 thing to your point. Okay, then so, take out both of them. Uh, the the Detroit game obviously in week one was a one possession game. The Jacksonville mm-hmm. win that's I always don't like eight point one possession games are a little bit different, but it is one possession. Uh, mm-hmm. The win at Arizona was a three point win. I think we forget about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, looking back, that on was it, one. That's uh, a good example of one that like might not go your way next year. That scenario. I, I think this one too. The win at Indianapolis that was like a victory snatched from the jaws of defeat. Like the Eagles played really poorly that game, but they won the yeah. game. You got to give them the credit for it, obviously, um, et cetera, et cetera. The seven point win over the Packers, uh, the five point win over the Bears, the game that Hurts seven point win over the Packers was, I would say, more than a one score game in reality. I think they scored like late and garbage. Like, that was a lot of there was a lot of garbage time scoring there. The Eagles like the, never the narrowing happened late. You're yeah. Saying. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's fine. Um, then the the game against the Bears, which was low scoring and things looked touch and go. And that was the like, oh, are they yep. going to blow this? And then Dallas lost to Jacksonville and it was whatever. Um, yep. And then the loss to Dallas, obviously. And then the week 18 game is mentioned. So like, yeah, some of those things like the last second field goals or whatever, like if you put all this under an umbrella, like you're just the, the Eagles are kind of due for the other end of that. And like there's no real data to like you know measure exactly what that is but that's there's like a hundred years of the nfl to support that that sort of thing does you know like what goes up will come down um and so like you know i could see like two or three like we're kind of talking about of those games working out against the eagles this coming season in a way that you know and they've been on the wrong end of that before like all teams have like that's just the the balance of the universe so to speak the nature of the nfl is that like it's not about teams having staying power. It's just the opposite. It's about cyclical, like on a year to year basis. And there are teams who are the exceptions, like the Chiefs have been, you know, clearly for right. so long. Like, and the Patriots for a while. There's obviously, but those are the exceptions. It's not the norm. That's, that's, that's not to say it can't happen, but it, the odds are against it happening. So, certainly, I mean, just think about it this way like, how many players on the Eagles last year, especially like key players, had like down years? Um, and I think like you could say like Quez Watkins was like one of the only players who didn't really uh, meet es- expectations at the very least. Not even like not to say everyone's like a pro bowler or an all star, but like how many players at least met expectations and then how many exceeded them? Almost everyone. Again, except some for someone like Quez Watkins, like, you could have, you know, a good player who has a down year next year i would argue and, like if you flip I, I think the more interesting analysis is if you flip that question like how many and you know, would know this better than me how many eagles players would you say had career years last year like yeah, like some lot. of them are really obvious like jalen hurts some obviously of them are back but you know yeah right like jalen hurts was, like, was, Johnson, was that jason Sanders. kelsey's best year ever i think there's I mean, a strong art i mean, yeah, I, mean like, I think it's it, it's difficult to nitpick. recent years but like, especially for an offensive it, lineman like that's kind of hard to and some are really some are like some are weird, like Devon, like it was a career year for Devonte Smith, but you're talking about like a really small career. You know what I mean? So it's not like yeah. whoa, like it's the one outlier. Like it was no. certainly, I would, I was probably the most dominant season of AJ Brown's career, which is saying something. Given, mm-hmm. I mean, I know it was a different team and everything, but like maybe a career year for Dallas Goddard. Um, you know, probably a career Eagles year for Darius Slay, right? Like that was the best version of Darius Slay the Eagles have ever gotten. Uh, career year for James Bradbury, certainly a career year for Chauncey Gardner Johnson. And you could extend that to the coaching staff, career for Nick Sirianni. 
and like I know this is not a popular take with Eagles fans, but that's my final piece here is like you're talking about a team that lost both coordinators and you can yeah. bag on on Jonathan Gannon all you want. But like that is a difficult thing to lose both of your coordinators in a single offseason. Sure. And I think Steichen especially did a really good job. I know Ben Solak has talked about how big like the sequencing of plays were obviously you still have Sirianni, um, you know, a, a vital part of drawing up the plays that are being picked but the actual process of sequencing those plays is is not insignificant at all and we'll see if brian johnson can do that i am optimistic about him he seems like a bright guy i like his track record um but yeah it's a projection a lot of there's a lot of projection happening here where last year the eagles had an entire coaching staff that returned like there was basically mm -hmm. no turnover at all from nick sirianni's year one to year two and i think that really benefited from that and now there's a lot of change in different spots so um, and that's why even... that was one of the reasons you were bullish on the Giants is that exact same phenomenon yes. is happening to them that you mentioned with the Eagles a year ago. Yeah. And they also might get Leslie Frazier, something to keep an eye on the Giants. Uh, yeah. Brought up. Well, get to them later. I guess we but... can mention that really quickly. Um, I saw um, I saw a Pro Football Talk article about this. So Leslie Frazier, I don't know if it was an interview or like hung out with. Uh, it was both the Giants and Commanders. And I'm missing. It might have been the Steelers. I'm forgetting who the third team was. Um, but uh, dismissed by the Bills. Um, kind of the Kellen Moore to Sean McDermott's Bills. You know what I'm saying? Like same, same sort of situation. Now Sean McDermott. Like the Bills and the Cowboys are the same Escape team. Maybe that's why I hate the Bills. Yeah. Um, but like he would really help the Giants. I mean, and you could see him obviously linking back up with Brian Dable, like work together in Buffalo, but um, mm -hmm. that would stink. But anyway, this is about the Eagles. Um, is there anything else we want to add? Um, it, it And like Jalen Hurts is like the, I think, microcosm of all of these points, right? Like of the regression to the mean. Like if he, it, you know, he had this literal MVP type season. Um, and how often does that sustain itself if you're not Patrick Mahomes in recent NFL history? kind of touched on this already but it's i think this is hard to climb the mountain for any team all over again right. and also like i think something people lose sight of in all sports really like just even looking at the phillies um like mm. there's there's well for baseball it's what 29 other teams still out there and the nfl it's 31 other like every like the eagle fans are like oh yeah you know we'll be back in the super bowl but like okay it's, yeah there's uh, every other fan base is thinking not every other fan base ha thinks they have a super bowl ceiling but like a majority, most of them do yeah. a majority yeah, yeah a lot of them do they're yeah no we're gonna be there so like not to say everyone's right obviously they're, they're not but like it's not as simple as like you just you know carry over from the one year to the next year to start all over again and they can get there i'm not gonna rule it out but it's just not like it's not easy it's really hard i think the phillies are a great sort of I don't know, my comparison isn't the right word, but just a great like example. Um, and, and part of it because of what we talked about during the, the season, where people are like, oh, that's okay that the Phillies didn't win the World Series. Like, I'd rather win the Super Bowl, like as if it was just like like a choice, you know what I'm saying? Um, but that's that's the way like sports fandom works. But I saw um I saw some MLB article that was like crazy stats or something like that to this point of the season. And it was like, like Kyle Schwarber is like awful right now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and so, but like at the end of the World Series, like if you were Philly fan, he's, he's crushing well, it in June. I mean, well, you get my point. Like to this yeah. point, like generally speaking. And so like you, you assume these things, you assume like, okay, Schwarber will be Schwarber and like, that will be good. And like, like even right. before the season, like during the world baseball classic, like Trey Turner, like lit the world. And I know he obviously yeah. came alive recently too, but you're like, oh, boom. Like it's, we're just going to add that to this and it's going to be mm -hmm. like amazing. And we're going to like, finish it this time and like no 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 like that's yeah. like sports are unpredictable you just don't know like that's a great point things are less static i think than people think they are 
Uh, all right. Why don't we move on to the Dallas Cowboys? And I'll go first here since you started with the Eagles. The aforementioned Kellen Moore. I think the case can be made that the departure hurts more than it helps. The Cowboys offense, Kellen Moore at the helm. Since he took over in 2019, they were second in DVOA in offense in 2019. They were 24th in 2020. That was the year Dak started five games, so kind of a wash. Um, then they were sixth in 2021. They're down at 15th last year. But in the four years with Kellen Moore, and if we isolate the plays where Prescott was the quarterback, obviously Dak was hurt last year as well, missed some games. Cowboys performed like the second best offense in the NFL in terms of EPA per play. That comes from our good friend, aforementioned Shil Kabadia. Even if you think Mike McCarthy is going to be great, it's just, it's going to be a down. It's very likely that it's going to be a downgrade from Kellen Moore to Mike McCarthy. And by the way, the Brian Schottenheimer factor cannot just be glossed uh, over entirely. You're so excited about When this. you're looking at the track record of a guy here with a good friend, shout out to a good friend, uh, former SB Nation member, uh, Roger Sherman, who has the extensive track record of Brian Schottenheimer tweeted out oh. here where, uh, let me just read it off. Uh, started with Washington when he was the quarterback's coach in 2001. They had the 28th ranked offense. Then goes to the Chargers for four years. The only years of Drew Brees' career where he didn't look like the Hall of Fame version level of Drew Brees. Goes to the Jets from 2006 to 2011. Uh, wasted some of the NFL's best defenses with Mark Sanchez. You look at 2012 to 2014, the Rams ranked 25th, 21st, and 21st in offense. Uh, 85th in offense under at Georgia as the Georgia's offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. And Mark Wright got fired or ricked. I don't know how to say that name. Uh, Indianapolis Colts 2016 to 2017, 30th in offense in 2017. Uh, 2018 to 2020. That's didn't that's with Russ Andrew go. Luck. Just just to be like for, okay. to your to, to your point, like that's that's not the Colts that we currently know. Like I'm just I'm adding to your points, man. That's all I'm saying. And go then ahead. uh 2021, they were 32nd offense with Trevor Lawrence, and that was the Urban Meyer year in Jacksonville as the Jaguars passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So like, I know but he might not be calling the plays, but he's part of the the operation here. And you have that and McCarthy, and I just like again, even if you think McCarthy's going to be better than everyone else. I just don't think it's likely that he's going to be as good as Kellen Moore was. Um, so this is about reasons to be bearish on the Cowboys. So I'm I'm going to save my like context. Like I wanted to assign the negative context to the the Colts point, uh, but I'm going to save my like you know couching context um, to you know positive context, so to speak, uh, for future episodes. Whatever. Um, I just will say I I mean I think there are other reasons to be bearish that hold more significance than the Brian Schottenheimer thing. But you're right. Like it's a it's a fair point to bring up. Uh, the McCarthy thing is. I mean, it's terrifying on one level. I mean, you know, you're talking about, okay, so like if we just go backwards, right? And like, by the way, the Roger tweet is such a good one. Like, like you know, you have a great tweet when you can like recycle it when it when there's like a slight uh, adjustment to it, like a, a year later or like two years later. Like that's one of those, like he's tweeted that out like a thousand times, like just adding the most recent thing and it still slaps. But, uh, but anyway, so Mike McCarthy in 2022 didn't call offensive plays, right? Like, and we can fully acknowledge Mike McCarthy has this, you know, resume, Super Bowl win, whatever, but didn't call plays in 2022, didn't call plays in 2021, didn't call plays in 2020, literally was not in the NFL in 2019, called plays so poorly in 2018 that he got fired. So, but you're talking about that was five years ago that he most recently called plays and he was fired when that happened. So like, you know, 
that's a, a tough kind of scene. Uh, you can also, I think it's silly, but again, this is a reason to be bearish. Mike McCarthy is the coach that oversaw. The, the thing that I always bagged on McCarthy for was the 2014 NFC title game. When they had like, I think there was like eight things that if they had broken the other way for the Packers, they win that title game and go play the Super Bowl. Um, but so like, it's been a long time. Even if you believe it's been a long time. But so like, if you don't believe like someone like you, in, it, in addition to that, it's been an inordinately long time. And his partner, like his, you know, apprentice, or sidekick is somebody who has a horrible track record himself generally speaking like you mentioned in brian schottenheimer other reasons to be bearish um i think if you you know want to go that down that route they're really relying on brandon cooks and you can make an argument that that makes sense but like he's also kind of had some you know questionable years in houston you can explain away some of it with the quarterback play and that organization's obviously had a lot going on but you're really relying on brandon cooks you're really really relying on this defense and dan quinn and and you know, again, I mentioned it a year ago. Okay, congrats. You did not, you know, become the the majority of teams who regressed in a takeaway sense, but you're banking on that, like, not happening again. You know what I mean? That's a really kind of weird way to yeah. go about this. Uh, as you and I speak, uh, the Cowboys are getting set for their minicamp practice on Tuesday, and Mike McCarthy, speaking of, just announced that Tyron Smith would get work at left tackle. We still have no clue. So I, I don't have a reason to be bearish or bullish on what they're going to do with the offensive line. But Tyron Smith is a part of it. You know what I mean? You're, you're, plant, you're, you're building something on that foundation. And I killed them for that last year. You know yeah. that. Like, that is something that really would not go well. Um, and so you're, you're banking on, you know, uh, a collection of projects at tight end. And I'm not saying tight end is the most important, you know, position in the NFL. But it's an important part of this offense. You know what I mean? And it has been, it's been an important part of Dak Prescott's offense, whatever you want to call that offense. You want to call it Air Coriel, West Coast, whatever you want to assign, you know, however you want to label it. Dak Prescott has always leaned on his tight ends since he, but I would say that Dak became like a formidable passing quarterback in 2019, which was Kellen Moore's first season as offensive coordinator. But just for your records, a lot of people give some of the initial credit to John Kitna, who was the quarterback's coach at the time. But still, 2019, Jason Witten's back. 2020, Dak gets hurt. But then it's the Dalton Schultz show. And now what's it going to be? Jake Ferguson, you know, who had like 12 catches last year? Is it going to be Luke Schoonmaker, the 20-million-year-old you know, rookie, as you love to talk about? Like, what is going to be the plan there at tight end? Because, again, it's not the most efficient weapon, but it's a weapon that he relies on. Dalton Schultz got two touchdowns in the playoff win against Tampa Bay, which was some of the best football that we've ever seen Dak Prescott play. Where does that production go now? It can't just be CeeDee Lamb. What if Tony Pollard struggles coming out of this, this injury? What if Deuce Vaughn is too small? Like, those are the what-ifs that are kind of circling them on the negative side of the spectrum. Yeah, I have three more things, but the next one is kind of hitting on what you're touching on. I wrote, big additions might not all pan out, and some of them might, but to really kind of rely on all of these, I think, is kind of the game plan, and it's possible, but I think the it's more likely that at least one won't. Brandon Crooks, as you mentioned, has an extensive concussion history and is entering his uh, age 30 season. So I think that's something to be concerned about. Uh, Stephon and Gilmore fits about, your your Darius yeah, Slade. Yeah, exactly. James Bradford, I have that written Bradford. down here. Like you're talking about it, and he's older. He's entering his age 33 season. I'm talking about you know Slay, who I think is 31, and Bradbury at 30. Like that being a concern at that age, because like statistically, again, what I brought up earlier, that is a concern. So now you have someone that was age 33, uh, that is a concern. Mozzie Smith had half a sack in college. Like, I know there's more to it than that, but still, this is, like, the reality. You draft the guy who's half a sack in college. Um, maybe he helps the run defense a lot. Okay, maybe. But 
again, you're not really adding a lot in the way of pass rush, or so it seems. And then Schoonmaker, yeah, I just think the crazy thing about him relative to his age is that it's not like you know, some of these guys that come uh, out, of, out of college into the draft, like they're older, but they like a lot of production. Like they produced a lot, as they should, because they're kind of going up against younger you know, players. They should dominate at that level. But Schoonmaker doesn't even have that. Like he's an older guy who didn't even like really produce a ton at Michigan. So I think there's a lot of projection. It could work out. There's athleticism, there's traits there, there's tools, but that's just like, it's kind of a big leap to kind of take to say that's definitely going to happen. Um, so I just think you can, now obviously, again, I don't think you're going bearish in all these cases in the reality, but you can make a bearish case for their additions. Yeah. Well, like we've seen, we've seen both of these teams or any team in the NFL and not just in the NFL, but in sports, like we've seen the like season from hell, right? Like we're like, all that can go wrong does, right? And some and like not even just like injuries, right? Like, yeah, you have the like the 2020 season where like Dak Prescott gets hurt, but like you also have if you're the Cowboys, the 2017 season where Dak didn't get hurt. I mean, Zeke got suspended, but you get my point. Like, you like you just have bad football happen to you. Like that was the year they had the three single game scores and the the blowout against the Eagles that we talk about all the time. Um, so like that can totally happen. I have two more things. Um, if you're all right, Same. and I agree with what you're saying. <laughs> Um, but so like, I, I know I refer to the one score games when it comes to the Eagles, I refer to these as like the toss up games for the Cowboys. Like, they're not necessarily one score. Um, and I feel more comfortable talking about them with the Cowboys for obvious reasons. Um, so like, these were the games that I view as like toss ups for the Cowboys last year, the Bengals game, they won by three points on a Brett Maher last second game winning field goal. By the way, I still don't know who the Cowboys kicker is going to be. If you want another reason yeah, to be bearish on that. another uh, reason to add in there, <laughs> right? Um, I would, you know, say that, you know, the next, it took a little bit of time because things were kind of weird, but the loss in Green Bay. So that was kind of a toss up. I mean, that involved the, the pick late or yeah. the, the you know, collapse late, whatever. That toss up went against them. I'd say the win on Thanksgiving against the Giants was kind of a toss up. It was touch and go early on. The win against the Texans was a toss up. It took a last second oh, game winning drive by game. Dak Prescott. <laughs> well, and then the loss in Jacksonville. And like, th this serves my point, if you'll just allow me. The loss in Jacksonville in overtime was the weird tipped interception that was the pick six. And, and they collapsed that game in the fourth quarter. So, again, kind of fits the toss-up mold. Uh, the win against Philly on Christmas Eve was a toss-up. So my point is, like, the toss-ups kind of broke even for them last year. But what if they, they don't break even for you next year, right? Like, like say you play, I don't know, six toss-up games a year, so to speak. I think last year, living in that number, things went kind of like 50-50 for them. But, like, they don't have to go 0 and 6 for you to like not have a great season. Like, what if what if you go two and four in the toss-up games? Or like one and five in the toss-up games. And like those are the differences. You know what I mean? Like, they're not always one possession, these toss-up games. They're like things that kind of like get away from you. Things like you play like I think you and I both think the Cowboys were a better team than the Jaguars last year, but they peed down their leg and they lost that game. And that was a big difference for them. Like that was that I mentioned it. That was that day that we thought the Eagles were gonna lose to the Bears. And had that actually happened and had the Cowboys beaten the Jaguars, the Cowboys would have taken over first place with the win on Christmas Eve. Again, ifs, ands, buts, whatever. But like that's my point. Those and like so my my final, final, final point is you're the Cowboys. <laughs> like, like last year was the, the first time in forever that you were a playoff team in back-to-back -back years. It was the first time in an even longer forever that you won double-digit games in back-to-back -back seasons. Like, you know, Mike McCarthy was the first coach since like Barry Switzer to accomplish these things. Uh, it was literally the first road playoff win since the 1992 mm -hmm. NFC championship game. And like, maybe some of those things won't happen, right? Like maybe you're the one seed or whatever, but like, you get my point. Like it was all these like, 
you know, shattering of, you know, glass ceilings. And and maybe that's a sign for the future to the, the bullish point that we made a week ago. But it's like you were the exception in a lot of ways last year. And maybe there's the regression of the mean in those ways, too. You brought up two and four earlier. That's the record of one Dak Prescott in the playoffs. When one of those wins mm. is over a below 500 team in the Bucks last wow, year. Oh, my gosh. It's true. And then you like to bring that up, by the way, a lot. I feel like about the commanders and Ron Rivera. So I don't think that's unfair. And then, or at least getting into Wait, the playoffs what? With, with under 500. Well, they lost to the same Bucks that the Cowboys beat. So, yeah. Uh, two and four in the playoffs, as I said. One win is over a below 500 team. And the other win, as you all know, <laughs> is this against one of the worst game plans I've ever seen in my life, where like any, literally any time the Seahawks threw the ball against the Cowboys, they would have success. And yet they only had Russ throw 27 times to running 24 times, which it was very apparent like early on. The run game was not working. It was five years ago. Selling... You, you've got to let this go. Who, really was the, this go. who was the Seahawks offensive coordinator for that game? It was Brian Schottenheimer. That's right. There you go. Uh, last um, thing kind of speaks to your point. It's relevant to what you said at the end there. No benefit of the doubt. Why would you give? It has been over 10,000 days since the Cowboys even played in the NFC Championship. I knew, Why I was... the hell... Does it seem that happened last week, by the way. We, we got tagged on a lot of tweets. People asked I thought me it was to bring like this June second. It was after the well, mixtape. That was that was last week. That's what I'm saying. It was so after like, the recording. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm saying. But like, so like between last episode and this episode, my point is like people yes. have been telling us to bring this up. Um, so I will only like I think this is fair. Um, some of the like things they did, like the road playoff win, like I think that they they have earned like 1% of the benefit back, right? Like if, if you look at like the benefit of the doubt to be like a hundred percent proposition, like I think last year was a case of them taking a step forward versus like the previous 25 was them taking nothing but steps backwards. So like, I think they're actually closer to having the benefit of the doubt than they ever have been maybe in our adult lives. Uh, but I agree with you generally speaking, like, why would you do this? Like, you know, whatever. And again, if you are looking for reasons to be bearish, which is the premise of this episode, I don't, I don't buy this, but like maybe they really do believe you want to, you got to run the ball. Like maybe, maybe that that isn't just lip service. Maybe that isn't mm -hmm. just like talk. Maybe they really truly believe that. Maybe they are going to bring Zeke back. Like maybe all those things are are true. Um, if you again are trying to be really negative, which is what we're trying to do here today. So that's that. Let's take a break here, RJ, but not before you hear about righteous felon craft jerky, which you can get and... by using the sand discount code BGN15, and if you're a Cowboys fan. BTB 15. Good for you. All right. We'll take a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. While we were gone, Brandon, you told me what your favorite thing to eat while you watch a movie is at the movie theater. I think I've talked about this before, but uh, I'm a popcorn guy. You got to get the big bucket of popcorn. I don't go to the movies a ton. Maybe like, let's say three times a year on average. Um, And I bring that up in part because I don't really drink soda anymore. Not going to call it pop. Not going to call it Coke soda here in the Northeast. And uh, yeah, I don't really drink soda at all. I'll have an occasion. I'll have like a, you know, again, like a twice a year ginger ale. Maybe I like a ginger ale sometimes. It just hits the the mood. Um, And I don't count mixed drinks. You know, if you ever have a mixed drink, I'm not counting that. I don't just like drink it with a meal. Uh, It's a good way, I feel like, to to cut out something that uh, I just didn't really need. Anyway uh but i gotta get the big cherry coke cherry coke and a big bowl of popcorn um i was gonna ask like you do you like the tub or the bag of popcorn like does the it make tub. a difference you gotta get you? the tub well i mean, I mean honestly either way like, i don't care if but... it's not a choice like if if you order the large or whatever like and it's it's like yeah. sometimes it comes in a bag i i think the tub is nicer because you can kind of like brace it versus the you bag do. like if you try to if you apply well, pressure the AMC... it like bills everywhere that I go to also has like the the tray that has the um holder for the the cup like you can there's like an indentation there you can kind of rest it in there so right. it's not going to like fly off okay wow what about you right on. um I like I think we have talked about this before um I like bunch of crunch at the movies um Ooh. but I do like a bunch I, of crunch, um, and you can't get that everywhere I feel like you can see it at right. the movies um I um I will say though like I'm terrified that I'm gonna have to pee during the movie. Like I just like mm. I, like a like a legitimate fear. Um, like between like maybe walking into the theater and before you go movie right before you starts. go in. That's what I'm saying. So like, and I also so I have two kind of like things I guess. Like one is the fear of having to pee, but I will go like I will actually kind of go like when there's a preview I don't like. Right. It's like ah, or yeah. like maybe one I've seen before. It's like okay, this is exactly you know what that's I mean? what let I'm me, talking about. Yeah. Um. So that's one thing. The other thing is like so my wife will get there popcorn snacks whatever and she'll start right away what are you doing like the lights are still on like we you know what i'm saying and then like i hate that and then like the movie starts and she's like three quarters of the way done and it's like the the snack is supposed to be like enjoyed during the movie you know what i'm yeah, saying like you're i don't like that you want to eat you don't well, wait but i will wait like no the whole purpose is like, like i asked you like what's the best movie snack i don't i didn't ask what's the best snack before a movie you know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, I, You're in the theater. I, I don't, I don't even open the bunch of crunch until like, we're at least 25 minutes into the movie. So, mm. well, you should open it. So you're thing. not making noise during the movie, but it's a quiet thing. I do take the plastic wrapper off to your point, but like, I don't open the box, the perforations until I'm ready to eat it. So I have a question and then we can get on to the rest an of the episode. What the hell is up with people talking during the movies these days? Like, when did that become acceptable? Seamus, my good friend Seamus Clancy, who you know, mm. former BGN our contributor, good friend. our good friend, uh, had posted some Instagram stories recently. I think like complaining about people, and rightfully so, like talking in the th- like. What are people doing? And I asked Seamus him, I is like, a great you- movie reviewer, by the way. Uh, if anyone wants to follow him on Instagram or Letterbox, I think is the I thing he does his reviews. Yeah, but uh, like. He he had I guess posited that like COVID somehow it happened during COVID mm. that because I guess maybe less people were going to the theaters so more people felt like um like they could talk because like barely anyone was there I don't know I don't know what it is but it's unacceptable to me what are you doing especially during like a quiet part especially like if it lasts for more than like 
five seconds. It's one thing to like make a little comment to someone next to you. Okay, whatever. Don't love it, but that's some that's but like you're just talking or having like a conversation. No. I don't encounter this a lot, if I'm being honest with you. I don't go to the movies a lot. In fact, I don't know if I've told you this. I did the math once. I think the last movie that I went and saw in the theater was actually before COVID. It was um, Avengers Endgame. Um, so, like, obviously COVID happened and then just, like, kind of got used to it. And then we had a kid. And so, like, now, you know, it just doesn't happen. But um, And so I don't really run into this problem a lot. Um, I will say a cousin of this, and maybe this leads to the talking, um, and I think you'll appreciate this. It bothers me when somebody doesn't like appreciate why something is cool in a movie. You know what I mean? So like, I do kind of feel the need to be like, no, 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 no. Like you don't get it. Like you don't, you don't, you don't understand like why this, this is that like doesn't sound pretentious at all. Maybe I'm a pretentious movie watcher. You know what I mean? And clearly, so maybe people got used to watching them. And I think that did happen. Like, um, I've told you, like my wife and I, re- like she had never seen like the Star Wars movies or the Harry Potter movies or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like we would we watch those at home, as evidenced by what I just said. And so she would be like, "Wait a minute!" And then we would pause, and she would like ask for some context or some clarity on something. So maybe people mm-hmm. did get used to something like that, and now they're just taking it to the real life version at theaters. Unacceptable to me. You should be banned from the theaters if you. How have do you a feel? That's more than like ten. Last seconds. question about this. Last question about this, and then we'll get to the uh, the New York good. Especially again during a quiet chance. part, it's insane. How do you feel about blankets or like slippers, like loungewear, so to speak, at a movie theater? Uh, I mean, that's a little interesting, unusual, but I don't think uncouth. I think it's fine. I think it depends on the time of day. Like if you know what I mean. Like if you're going in the middle blanket of like is the different day. than slipper. A, a blanket makes a lot of sense because some people are, are sensitive to cold, and I get that. I, it's, I'm totally sure understandable. And I fine. Do, but I I actually think it kind of like adds to the vibe that of of the theater. You know what I mean? Like if we're going and it's like an eight o'clock movie and somebody's got a blanket, it kind of makes me feel you know. And even though I don't have the blanket, like okay, cool. Like mm. we're in like a cozy sort of situation. Okay. So I the like slippers it. It's is good a bit for the crowd. Much for me, but the. I get the blanket. I'm thinking more of like like an Uggs situation, like some some shoes that well, kind of look like slippers, but that you wore that, that you wore out. Like you know, shoes you're still comfortable walking in the parking lot with. You know what I mean? So hmm. you know, I think as long as you're cozy, that's I want it to be cozy when I'm there. I actually sure. think though that there's a fine line. Some movie theaters are like super advanced now, and maybe I don't know this, but like maybe they're even more advanced. Like they recline and they do all this stuff. It's yeah. like I don't want to fall asleep. Like, be careful. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to put me to sleep. And I, I I, always need to be at attention to watch the movie. Mm. Yeah. All right. The New York Giants. Why are they going to take a step back? Why Why should we bullish on them in 2023? I think it's your turn to go first. Um. Well, uh, beyond the obvious, um, which is just that they're the Giants. Can I read you who, the teams that they beat last year? Are you down with this? Yeah. Um, they beat the Titans and the Panthers to start the season 2-0. and And that was the like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. They beat the Bears, who kind of stink. They beat the Packers, who really stunk. But that was their, like, oh, my gosh. Like, everybody fell for that, whatever. And then they beat the Ravens. Yeah. And you, at the time, were not that impressed because of Lamar. And you hate Lamar and everything. They beat the Jaguars. That was a good win. They beat the Jaguars, which was, again, kind of, eh, whatever. And they they lost to the Seahawks before the bye. They came out of the bye. So we're talking from week 10, which is November 13th on. They beat the Texans. They lost to the Lions. Lost to the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. They tied the Commanders. They lost to the Eagles the first time around. They beat the Commanders, and we were kind of impressed because that was the second one, whatever. They lost mm. to the Vikings, who they wound up beating, to their credit, and they beat the Colts. So their final three wins on the regular season, which began this stretch of time on November 13th, 
were the Texans, the Commanders, and the Colts. And the Colts, by the way, in Week 17, who were led by Jeff Saturday at the time. I can't believe that that happened. And the like, Colts, I actually, the third string quarterback. Right, but like I forgot that Jeff Saturday was the Colts coach until I was looking at, at photos of Mike McCarthy for an article, and I saw him with Jeff Saturday. I was like, "Holy crap!" I really like mm. that escaped my my memory. Um, and then okay, they won a playoff game, and I believe in the Vikings, but you don't like a lot of. And I would say I'm the outlier. Like most people don't. So like their final four wins, basically from the month of November on, were like really unimpressive. You know what I mean? Like they they did they were kind of a top heavy team. Like they did some some winning and to their credit against some bad teams like. I think you could look at the whole NFC East as like being the benefit or having the benefit of playing each other to a degree and the AFC South last year. And they're the ones I think that are going to kind of show that off the most. Like people are going to be like, what happened to the Giants? Like, well, they got to play the AFC South last year. That's what happened. We also got demolished when they played some of the big boys, like the Eagles, for example. That's my I mean, point. They, in the playoffs, they lost to the Vikings before yep. in the regular season. And, and granted, that was the, a crazy game, but like they still lost. Uh, in one score games last year, not counting week 18 when they, they rested starters and were playing Davis Webb, who is like now on their coaching staff or whatever. Uh, they no, no, he's lost... coaching the, the he's on the Broncos coaching staff. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, in one score games, they were nine, three, and one. And I put another way, they only lost thir- three out of the 13 games that ended in one score. Like, probably do for some kind of, you know, even if it's not three and nine, flipping all the way other way around, which it could be, probably going to be a little bit closer to 500, I would say. Uh, so I think they overachieved a little bit last year. That's also kind of apparent in their point differential, which is actually negative. It was a minus six that ranked 16 in the NFL. And I think that's only accounting for regular season. That's not even like, it'd be even worse if you counted their, what, um, what was it 30, what was the playoff? 38 to seven playoff loss. That, yeah, like, that was the like, so like, the Eagles, like, and that wasn't even the like the pinnacle version of the Eagles. I don't know when you think the peak of the Eagles season was, like, from a talent standpoint, but it wasn't then. And I'd say that as a compliment to the Eagles. Like, they they whooped the Giants as like a you know eighty percent version of themselves. But like, that was the biggest like you know like I kind of myself and some of this is like my hatred for the Eagles. Like, talk myself going into that Saturday night game. Like, okay, the Giants kind of have a chance, and that was the like ultimate like just checking. You know what I mean? Like, you are not who you think you are type of performance like you know i would never it wasn't even close uh, yeah i would never be cool with nick sirianni's antics but like he 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 demolished the giants you know what i mean like he and he like enjoyed it like and it was easy for them yeah and uh they were also 21st in dvoa so (coughs) excuse me sorry been having some throat issues um so yeah that does not like portend well as a team that kind of like, Oh, this team, I think the narrative of the giants is a little bit is like, Oh, they overachieved a little bit. They could take a step forward next year, but the signals here when it comes to the analytics and whatnot kind of actually point to some regression and pointing to a step back, actually more likely than a step forward. Uh, I have two other things to say. Number one. Uh, and the second thing is just an aside. This is a, my only actual real point here. Does anyone from the giants pass catching core really scare you? Like, does anyone, you look at their receiving core, and I'm including, you know, Darren Waller in there. Darren, Darren Waller. Waller. I think, yes. Like, okay. It's okay He's to played 20 games Waller. over the past two years, and he hasn't had, like, big seasons since 2019, sure. 2020. Like, those were his last, like, legit, like, oh, Darren Waller, like, amazing player. Past two years, that has really not been the case, in part because of the injuries. Um, I think everyone else in the Giants, like, they're they're nice 
complimentary guys. Like I, if, if Darius Slayton is your wide receiver three, sure. If um, Isaiah Hodgins is your wide receiver three, sure. If Wandale Robinson is your wide receiver three, sure. Like they have a bunch of like wide receiver threes, like kind of moonlighting all together. And if Jalen Hyatt is your wide receiver two, yeah. But like they almost like kind of, he might have to be like the wide receiver one for them. <laughs> like it's, and so I, I just don't think they still have uh, anything that's really scaring anyone, especially comparative to the rest of the division, which we talked about. Like sack those guys up against Terry McLaurin and okay, uh, John Dotson. The- so who's their best wide receiver? That, that's the question. So you can't answer Darren Waller. Is it Paris I Campbell? Guess, I guess Darius Slayton, I would say. I think he has the biggest okay, track so, record. So who's the if, – if each, you know, other NFC East team is playing out of 11 personnel, who's their third receiver? Is it? I'm asking, is it Quez Watkins for the Eagles? They're, they're, oh, yeah, the Eagles will be – well, yeah, it's either him or Alameda Zacchaeus. It could be either one of the two. Okay, so there. Darius Slayton could be – wide receiver three for the Eagles is that that was this is kind of my question yeah like, absolutely would, yes would, I think would you be would you take yeah. him would you take him over Michael Gallup though because I wouldn't um I'm, I'm I think that's biased, kinda, like that, that's my question I, to you I think you could you know obviously Gallup's body of work is better but I think you could also wonder how much last year is you know a concern moving forward so I don't I think that's kind of a toss-up so to your point like and I'm not sneaking in a bullish reason for the Cowboys but like your best receiver, if you're the Giants, is like maybe the third best receiver on a division rival. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And even then, like, I mean, he's at best Darius Slayton, wide receiver three on the Commanders. You know what I mean? Like with Terry McLaurin and like they're both easily better than him. And so like it's you know that's a tough, that's a real thing. And so like okay, so you're limited in terms of pass catching options. So you better have an elite quarterback. Whoa. And again, I'm I'm a believer in Daniel Jones to an extent. But like that's the that's the ship you're tied to. Like, and I think we agree that they had to make this bet, but it is still a bet that they made. And while they're not financially betting on Saquon Barkley, they are football betting on him. Like they are relying on him. Like I, I talked about the Cowboys, like, oh, well, we're just gonna be the team again that defies expectations. Like, you think Saquon's gonna do it again? Like, even though all history would suggest otherwise. And we both think Saquon's an awesome player, and it would be amazing from a football standpoint if he did it. But like the odds of that are he he really withered as the season went along too. So like you know yeah. they're they're really built on some sand in some some really you know important ways as far as their roster and the important players. We've previously talked about how you know Jones' turnovers went down in part because the offense was a lot more conservative. And that's nice and that's fine, but there's kind of a ceiling with that, and they're probably going to have to open it up a bit more to really kind of raise that ceiling. And the question is, like, can they balance that? Can Daniel Jones be more aggressive and have success passing down the field while also limiting the turnovers to some extent? Or is it going to go back to where it was earlier in his career? That's something we've already talked about, so I don't need to, like, re-litigate that entirely. Um, And then I guess the last thing I have on actual, like, football stuff is their offensive line is still kind of, like, there's question marks here. Like Andrew Thomas is one of the best tackles in the league, no doubt. But then you have Ben Bredesen at guard. Okay, like just a guy, probably at best, maybe worse. Uh, I like John Michael Schmitz. I thought that was a good pick for them. I'm optimistic about his future. But he's a rookie starting at center, which is like noteworthy from a standpoint of like even if he has talent, there's still a mental side of the game there that there's an adjustment. You're kind of this guy's, you know, he's the, your signal caller. I mean, he's calling the he's like calling protections and everything. So. Um, that's a question mark. I think Mark Lewinsky is kind of just a guy that they added last year. It's fine. But, um, and then there's Evan Neal who, you know, I picked him as my step forward candidate. I think he has the potential to be a lot better than he last year, but 
you might not like because he was really bad last year. What if he's just not good? Then that's a big, think, like the offensive line could crumble or at least like kind of there's holes there that could be um, opened pretty fast. You said something like this at the beginning of last season. Like the Giants are really the Lions. Like they're, they're the same team, like along the same path. They just made the playoffs last year, right? Like and so sometimes when that happens, like you know people people fast forward from an expectation standpoint. Your rebuild. Right, like the Giants are still like in the process of building up. They just have a little bit more on their resume to show for it right now than in, in this example the Lions do. And so that's important context, I think, for Giants fans, but like for everyone. Um, so you know, the bearish, you know, idea is that like the they're still rebuilding. Uh my last point, um, it's football related, obviously, but um not like as in depth as you just described. Um, so you've heard the phrase like, Oh, you can't like win your fantasy league in the first two rounds, but you can lose it, right? Like I don't think you can – you obviously can't win the Super Bowl in September and October as evidenced by the fact that the Eagles were undefeated. Um, but you can you can put yourself out of it, right? The first six weeks of the season for the Giants, we've talked about this, five of their games are against playoff teams from a year ago. Dallas at Arizona, so you get the, the cupcake right there. But then at San Francisco, Seattle, at Miami, at Buffalo – what do you think the record is to those first five games? Like they, they could, they could very easily be one and four. They, you know, they could, or what, what did I say? Five, six games. I mean, mm-hmm. they could very easily be two and four, one and five. You know what I mean? Like, and you're out of it at that point in time. You're, you're, you know what I mean? You're not like out of it, out of it, but you're out of it for all intents and purposes. Last thing I have is, did you know the Giants have a player on their roster named, and I don't know how to pronounce this first name. It might be Timon, but it's spelled like T-O-M-O-N. So Tom on, and his last name is Fox. Was this a prelude to Tom Brady retiring and then going to be a Fox broadcaster, which is now Tom is on Fox. That's awesome. Um, Wow. Isn't that funny though? Like I was like, I saw, so big blue view, uh, our good friend, Ed Valentine does like a, a roster profile series where he Mm -hmm. does like 90 and 90 days. He does every, like a little article on someone, everyone on the roster. And my understanding is this guy is probably like a back of the roster kind of player, but I saw that name and I was like, huh, Tom on Fox. That's kind of funny. Um, wow. Very funny indeed. There we go. Um, okay. Uh, the Washington Commanders, I feel like this is kind of quick. Can I tell you about uh, my Burger King story, by the way? I don't know why did, I just thought of it. Did you get right the uh, the Spider-Verse burger? No, I don't. That's so dumb to me from a standpoint of like, what's the wow. allure? It's just the color of the, like, that doesn't do enough for me. The only difference from an actual regular Whopper, I believe, I think, I don't know if I said this before, is like, it's Swiss cheese instead of American. Like, that's barely a difference at all. I like gimmicks that have Burger King's Halloween Whopper this year. It was like um, like orange bun, but it actually had like this like ghost pepper sauce yeah, on it. We ta- I think we talked about this last week. Yeah, that was okay. good. Anyway, um, went to Burger King in Virginia uh, with my friend Zach, whose house I was staying at a couple weeks ago, and I had to record there. And I was right. kidding, and I told you it was holding. It wasn't. Anyway, uh, we went to see the Blink-182 concert. We came home that night, and Zach was feeling hungry. Um, so we actually took an Uber ride from the station to a Burger King nearby where he's at. And, um, we get there, this is like 1245. So it's, it's, you know, it's late, but, uh, all the lights are on inside and we're like, and we don't see any hours posted anywhere other than a sign on their window that says open 24 hours. So we're like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. Um, I had my doubts if the lobby was open because I know sometimes places do that. They keep the drive-thru open, but it didn't say like drive-thru only. So, and we tested the doors to be like, are these open? So they're both open. There's like a double set of doors. It wasn't just like one door, double set of doors. They're both open. We go in, we're waiting there at the counter and uh, no one's serving us. 
And we're not like making a fuss. We're just like patiently waiting. We're like, oh, what do we get? And then the Zach is eventually like, hey, is anyone there? And uh, a manager comes out of the side door from where we're waiting from and tells us that the lobby is closed. And we're like, oh, okay, you know, no worries. We'll head out. So as we're walking out, the manager says, did you really think we were open? And I was just like, what did you say to me? Like, I, I honestly don't even remember what the response was or if I said anything, because I was just so shocked. I was like, we're leaving. Like, we're not, like, putting up a fight. Like, why? Like, you're trying to, like, make us feel dumb? Like, why? And um... uh, as we're walking out the doors further, he then asked how we got in there. To which I wonder... Is this man accusing us of breaking, breaking into a in. Burger King to <laughs> wait for in line open. for an order? <laughs> what um, the hell was that? Like, I find I get... it strange that you thought Burger King was like the most delicious option in the moment. Uh, like... I wasn't really hungry, and we just went to like what was nearby Zach's place, mm-hmm. and that was like the closest thing, basically. Um, so that's what we did. Uh, needless to say, uh, what'd you wind up eating? Nothing. We didn't get anything. Oh, wow, we just walked back to his house. Yep. Um, um, all, that, all that person had to say, and I look, food service industry, very tough job. I'm not trying to say, like, have it so easy. But, like, why can't you just be like, hey, oh, sorry, guys, the lobby's closed. But, like, pull back around the drive-thru. We'll take care of you right away. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. But like, I feel like why, I, did, I feel like, why do we have to be belittled on the way out? <laughs> I feel like it's a really that? common thing for, like, in situations like that. Like, if it's a fast food restaurant, like, the lights are dimmed. In the lobby, the doors yeah, they weren't are dimmed at all. They were, like, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like on, and the doors are like, unlocked. Right, like that's like because I feel like a lot of places are like, oh, we're open twenty four seven, but like maybe like right. the late night hours are just a drive. Well, sometimes but, they like, post yeah. like the lobby hours right, on the door right, too. There was nothing like that. It's uh, a sign that said open twenty four hours. So and look, I'm in Virginia. Right. I'm not in where I'm from. So like I don't know. Maybe things are different here. I have no we, idea how much we how are in Virginia. We we are in Virginia metaphorically talking about. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Ashburn. That's the point. Is that where they're at? Ashburn. You know so. Um, Landover, our, Maryland is where the stadium is, but there yeah. I don't know where their facility is. That's like somewhere else. All of it. All right. Um, reasons to be. They say Virginia's for lovers, but I don't know. Okay. Uh, Ron Rivera had a press conference the morning of the day we're recording this. Um, I sent you a tweet um, that had bullet points, and the first said Chase Young absolutely remains a starter. Okay. Uh, number two, Rivera is confident Young's knee is healthy, but, and the line here is in quotation marks, the proof will be in the pudding. Mm. Um, so we can get to that. And finally, Rivera still considers it a competition between Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett, and it'll be discussed whether to get Jacoby Brissett first team reps. I feel like the last thing is enough to be like bearish on this team. Like your, your competition. And look, Jacoby Brissett, wonderful leader. Like we've talked about that a million times, but like Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett. That's it. Like that, like we talk about like bets and, and foundations and sand and whatever, like that's it. Like that's, that's why, like, that's the, like, they have no, they, they might have the worst. If you, I think if, if you looked at every quarterback situation in the NFL, yep, every team either has a franchise quarterback or like, like a lottery ticket in their hands. You get what I'm saying? Like they, they believe in something except maybe the Cardinals and the commanders. Like well, my let point me is read like, these for you because I was okay. going to bring this up as my first point. Like I, I wrote, like it's kind of evolved as a thought for me. I wrote probably going to have the worst quarterback in the division, and I was like, then how many are worse in the conference than in the league? And then I just ended up making it like which quarterback situations in the NFL, like which ones are you taking the Commanders over them? And I have a full list here <clears throat> based on alphabetical order. Can I, okay, can I guess on? So these these are quarterback situations you would take Washington over. 
Well, I don't have a list. I'm just I'm going to read you every team, and then you tell me yes or no that you would you want the commander situation over this team situation. Uh, so let's start with the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson. You're going in alphabetical order. Yes. That's stupid. Um, no, I'm taking Baltimore. Bills. No. So Bengals. like Bengals. I'm just going to say the team. It's easier for me. Browns. Deshaun Watson. I mean, that's like nobody wants to do that, but like Deshaun Watson is a better football player than right. anybody on the commanders. Team. Broncos, right. Russell Wilson, who was almost an eagle. Which, why did that get so much attention recently? That was already like no, <laughs> at least to me. Um, anyway. Well, you know, it's, it's because uh, it, it's because I, I'm reinventing. I think you're taking Russell Wilson over them. I, I, think I really am. I really the, all the possibility of a bounce back is probably greater than. That's what I'm saying. Like he yeah. he still has some like lottery ticket proposition, and some of it is like the argument we've made before, like Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. You know right. what I'm saying? So like, yeah, I'll take the Broncos. Uh, C.J. Stroud, Texans. Absolutely, that's my lotto ticket. Definitely. Yeah, uh, Anthony Richardson, Colts. Yep. Any any win, first if, round rookie, I feel better right. about like investing. If you had to win a game, like one game, you probably take Brissett slash. Sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Jags, mm-hmm. no, Chiefs, no. The Raiders, I don't know what's going on that's, with them. So that's maybe, a touch yes. and go one. I, I I was thinking it's the Raiders and Cardinals to save you time. Those are the only two uh, I would. Chargers, consider. no. Dolphins, no. Patriots, you, I guess you could, because I don't really feel great about what they have. But that's kind of a toss up. Jets, no. Steelers, I would say no. Uh, Titans, you could kind of say. Probably not, though. I think you have to give Tannehill a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Falcons, I think you could argue. but Desmond Ritter still has some lotto ticket. And plus, they have Taylor Heineke. (laughs) So, like, I'm absolutely taking the Falcons. Yeah, because Murray's hurt in here, too. So, that's kind of a question mark. Bryce Young, Panthers, no. Justin Fields, no. Even though I think he's not good. Dak, no. Lions, no. Packers, no. How is Dak this slow if you're going alphabetically? I did. It's AFC and then NFC. Oh, okay. Rams. You could. I don't know where Stafford's at, but if probably not. I'm gonna okay. say Stafford. Would, maybe would, he's you, would you rather have Stafford and um Who's and Setson Bennett, or you know what I mean, or what Washington has? It seems like there's a greater chance that Stafford could get healthy than there is again that Brissett slash um right Howell are gonna be good. Uh, Vikings no. Saints, no. Giants, no. Eagles, no. 49ers, I, I, that's kind of a tough one to know what to mm-hmm. make of uh, comparable. Seahawks, no. Buccaneers, yes. I would take Brissett slash uh, Howell Maybe. over yeah. Kyle Trask, Baker Mayfield, and that's it. So, I mean, the point is, like, they stink. And so, you know, they, their star defensive player, is, you know, is on the final year of his rookie contract because they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. There, what, what, what is like? Okay, I know you don't believe in Mike McCarthy, but like you look at him and you're like, okay, well, like he's commanded an elite offense before, right? You certainly look at Dan Quinn and you're like, okay, that that dude can put together an elite defense, right? Like you look at Brian Dable, you're like, that dude can put together an elite offense. What does the the like Washington staff have that you're like, holy crap, I'm really afraid of that dude and his side of the ball? <clears throat> um, their staff, you're saying their coaching staff? Yeah, like you know, what I'm saying like, like well, people be I, like Eric enemy. But I mean that's I've, but that's unproven with this team at least like and that's well, you know what we're also, waiting to see. It's my reaction to the hire, and I'm being consistent about this. If he was as good as people make him out to be, why did he end up in Washington of all places? Why? Like really, I'm supposed to believe he's actually great, and the Commanders were the ones who somehow luckily ended up with him and outsmarted everyone. Like I'm really supposed to believe that. And by the way, that's the Commanders with Dan Snyder still. It's right. not like this new ownership bringing him in. It's like the old ownership brought him in. Like I don't. 
that is very much not proven to me at all. But that would be the that's your best case for optimism. I think that's the last thing too. Like reasons to be bearish is like, and I don't understand the like legal proceedings here, but like that is not like a hundred percent over, right? Like the sale, right? Like are, are we like at a place where it's like a hundred, 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 hundred finalized? 100%. It's going to take a little bit of time, and so, that's one of the so, reasons I wrote down here. It's a lame duck year for Rivera, and the franchise right. has been in a holding pattern with the ownership change, and that's and that, not. Um, that's what I mean by this. Like yeah. it's it's happening, but it it hasn't actually happened yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm not doubting that it will happen, but like until it's done, like you can't take time. move on, right? So. That was pretty. They easy. also didn't make any like needle moving transactions in part because of that, because they couldn't do that. You know, again, they couldn't like they're not going to trade up for Anthony Richardson or whatever when they were because of like the ownership situation. You're not going to do that. You're not going to have the old regime like make this massive decision that, you know, there's this new ownership coming in. and might not agree with that. Like that's just never going to happen. And the last thing I had schedules tough. We went we ran through it a couple of weeks ago. Team. I forget what you had them at, but I don't think it was too far of off. But I, I had them at four and thirteen. Like maybe that's a little too low, but I think their over under is what six and a half, seven. I still like the under though. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking the under on them just like as a rule of principle. Like, and you know, you talked about with the Cowboys, like, oh, like why why would we give them the benefit of the doubt? Like, this is to an even larger extent. You know what I'm saying? Like, wh- like what? Why should we believe? You know what I mean? Um, so that kind of summarizes things pretty well, I think. Um, the time has come, Brandon, to put songs on the NFC East mixtape playlist. Are you ready? Are you ready for mine? I'm ready. Why don't you go first? Well, that's what I said. Are you ready for mine? I told Rachel that I was going to do this, um, so I kind of have to stick to it. I told her on Monday Football Monday, I'm going to go with the song Untouched by the Veronicas. Um, and I said that, like, um, this is a song that, like, if I'm on the treadmill and it comes on, it's like, you know, whoa, different level for me. Um, so untouched by the Veronica is the newest member of our NFC East mixed, uh, NFC East mixtape playlist mix name thing. The NFC championship game has been untouched by the Cowboys for over 10,000 days. Mm-hmm. My song is beating heart baby by head. Oh, by head automatic. Yeah. Wow. That's a great song. Very similar kind of vibe to untouched. Wow. Um, it's so funny that uh, I so I've heard that I recently like re-listened to that song on a uh, an emo playlist on Apple Music that was on there, and I was listening to it, and I, so I wasn't like seeing the name; I was just hearing it. And I'm like, wait a minute, is this a Coheed song? Because it does kind of sound like Coheed has have some like upbeat songs that sound like that. So I think that's kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, great, great vocals in that song. Uh, great energy. I felt like I had to pick something kind of upbeat for like a, mm-hmm. a weather's nice summer vibe. Uh, so there you go. That was why I went with Untouched as well. Um, again, kind of like a not like pop punk sort of vibe, but like um, I always feel like Beating Heart Baby. Is it Heart or Hearts? I actually don't know the name. It might be Heart. The name of the track. I think I feel like they say Hearts in the song, but the the official title here as I'm right. looking at it is Beating Heart Baby. Yeah, um, like I sort of lump that song with The Suffering by Coheed. Um, yes. And, um, well, Number City, heard... I think, is a lot of like, if you ever, you've right, probably right, not right. heard of that, but Number City, um, I'll check out. Uh, have you heard the song Everything Is All Right by Motion City Yeah, Soundtrack. Motion City, I love Motion City like, Soundtrack. Yeah, Absolutely. like those, those songs and um, and anything that like OK Go did, like, you know, sure. any, like those songs all kind of in the same box uh, for me. Um, you've seen the OK videos? 
or uh, okay go videos i'm sure yeah or, here videos. we go again the treadmill great. video of course they've got a um, lot of great ones yeah wow and so rachel song totally different vibe similarly <laughs> excellent song uh but rachel song that she submitted to us she did it first actually before either of us did yeah uh, was is uh, not was is remember the time by michael jackson that's an cool. incredible song um kind of an underrated i i always feel like the most underrated michael jackson song is the way you make me feel um okay. but remember the time is up there as well um i will I will remember a time and I'll ask you because this might hit with you um, sort of around the time that I was listening to all the songs we just talked about uh, MTV had a, sh uh, a show called America's Best Dance Crew. You remember this? No, it was um, I mean, it's basically what it sounds like. It was a competition with dance crews, the Jabberwockies, who are really famous now. That was like their that, that was their yeah. launch. Okay. Um, and they did an entire episode where all the crews danced to Michael Jackson songs. And while the Jabberwockies were awesome, I think they did uh, PYT. But the best one, you want to YouTube something awesome, uh, look up from America's Best Dance Crew, Break Skate. They were a group that danced on skates, not on rollerblades, on wow. skates. And they danced to beat it. And it was just this cool vibe. So those are the songs for this week. I feel like the moonwalk never gets old. That's crazy. I, I, I never fully understand how that actually works. Like that's It looks impossible. I don't know. But it's I love it. I love watching it. Yeah. Um, Anyone doing it, not just MJ, but like, I mean, obviously, he probably. What if Mike McCarthy moonwalked like, after winning the NFC Championship game against? That'd be pretty crazy. I would have to give him credit <laughs> for that. Okay. Uh, well, let's hope a it touchdown happens. celebration. Someone's got to do that. I mean, probably tough to do with the cleats. Probably. Yeah, not. it's really impossible. impossible to do but if cleats. someone take uh, this, the cleats off, it's got the socks. Boom. I feel like the last time the cleats were incorporated in a celebration, it was our guy T.O. pulling. Oh, I guess it was in a sock, the the sharpie, but still. Um, that had to be so uncomfortable running with a sock, like like you know, Look, attached to your Hall of Famer. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, nothing can hold you back. You would think that To would have bonded you stats and I because he played for all of our favorites. That teams. is true. He's but the official can... player of the Look Ahead, I guess. Yeah, let's get out of here. And while we do, you can tell us your favorite two thousands pop punk band, but it can't be Head Automatica, Coheed and Cambria, Motion City Soundtrack, or Okay. Go. Uh, so it can be Blink-182. Or Blink-182. That is uh, way too cliche. Uh, 2000s. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm trying to think of the ones because you just mentioned a lot of them. Um, it's really not my favorite, but it's one I think that deserves some more attention. We'll say Cartel. Oh, man. They have a song that was on um, one of the Maddens. Uh, I think it was called... Say Anything, say anything else. else. Yeah, that's... Wow. This was some good bonding we did. Let's just leave. Good, the vibes are good here. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts.